Hello and welcome to the Church Times podcast. I'm Ed Thornton. This week, I talked to our island correspondent, Greg Ryan, about the reaction of political and church leaders to the killing of the journalist Lyra McKee last week. And we hear from the editor, Paul Hanley, before he sets off for Hong Kong to attend the 17th meeting of the Anglican Consultative Council. Its members are asking for more say in the running of the Anglican Communion. Greg and Paul both have stories in the latest issue of the Church Times, available in print, on tablet and online. We also have extensive coverage of the attacks in Sri Lanka, news and comments on the Extinction Rebellion protests, and a feature to mark the 300th anniversary of the publication of Robinson Crusoe, showing why religion is so important to Defoe's novel. If you want to read all this and more, and don't yet subscribe, try our £10 new reader offer. Get 10 weeks of the print edition for £10, and full access to our website and digital archive, and the iPhone and iPad app. Or try the digital offer. For just £10, or €12, or US dollars you receive two months full online access. You can download the digital edition to read offline, use the iPhone and iPad apps, and explore our digital archive, and read all the latest news on our website. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Greg, what's the reaction been like in Ireland since this tragic killing on Monday, Thursday? Well, one of absolute horror and revulsion on a scale uh, uh, seldom seen uh, in a country that's uh, suffered quite enough over the years from such acts. Also, uh, an interesting coming together of community, which would be more pronounced, I suppose, in Northern Ireland, uh, where the communities are quite polarised historically. You know, uh, you don't see the same type of thing in the Republic, but even in the Republic, people which just could not believe uh, that that uh, terrorists would would emerge from the shadows and literally take a scattergun approach to a crowd, including civilians who are out on a street. Lyra McKee. I mean, people will know she was a 29-year-old journalist. Was she, was she well known in Ireland? She would have been, indeed, yes, but not not that well, you know. But although she did contribute to the Irish Times, and uh, in fact, only within a few weeks of, of her death, indeed, and uh, she was uh, noted as being, you know, among the top ten uh, emerging, if you like, really, really talented people with an extraordinary zest for life, but a drive and an ambition. I mean, she hadn't specifically gone uh, to Derry, stroke London Derry, uh, to, uh, she'd gone there to live, uh, but she hadn't gone out onto the streets that night, you know, specifically to do a job. She went over, she went out to observe uh, what was what was unfolding. And uh, that is uh, when she received the fatal injury. And the church leaders were, were quick to react and, and condemn this and express their sorrow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, everyone from the Roman Catholic primate, uh, Eamon Martin, uh, and then you had, of course, uh, the, the, the local Church of Ireland Bishop of Derry and Raffo, uh, the Right Reverend Ken Good, uh, spoke of his personal outrage and pointed out that uh, this wasn't, you know, uh, entirely unforeseeable, as he, as he said himself, that uh, uh, see, uh, last January there was a bomb attack on the city's courthouse and he had warned that these perpetrators showed a callous, callous disregard for people's lives, and that on that occasion, you could actually see it in the vid, in the uh, CCTV footage just before uh, just before the bomb walked off. A group of young people walked past that car and did a reckless attacks. The point being uh, that the people responsible for this 
okay, the person who pulled the trigger, those who supported him, uh, you know, they have a, a, a community almost in bondage. They're, they're, they're oppressors of community. The outfall of it, when you look at it, uh, you know, in the cold light of day afterwards, is, you know, that uh, no amount of condemnation or pleas and that sort of thing are going to fall uh, uh, with any possible effect on on, the, on people of that mentality because, quite simply, they have been doing this and trying to do it, attacking the security forces, uh, the, the police service of Northern Ireland uh, or uh, members, other members of the security forces, uh, with or without the Belfast Agreement. And if even, okay, the, the Father um, uh, McGill, uh, whose words really uh, echoed, echoed and will resonate for a long, long time, in the name of God, why, why, why does it take the death of a 29-year-old woman, uh, you know, to get uh, politicians together, uh, as they were in the cathedral, uh, most unlikely, uh, you know, <laughs> people uh, to get together in the pews. Why, uh, you know, uh, when in fact, uh, like, it's within the community. The community has to stand up to these people and say enough is enough. And basically they have. And what is very unusual here, and this is where the turning point may be, it is that uh, from the Cregan uh, estate where no one was supposed to talk to the police, they've had more, going upwards of 150 contacts for uh, uh, witnesses, call them up, what you like, in the wake of this. If that's the case, then maybe there is hope because the only way this is going to be stopped is cooperation with the authorities. You mentioned the funeral, Greg, and it, it took place at St Anne's Cathedral, Belfast. Could you tell us a little bit about perhaps the significance of that? Uh, a lot of people have commented, the fact, you see, uh, the McKee family would have been originally Roman Catholic. And in fact, uh, Laura McKee went to uh, Roman Catholic primary and secondary schools uh, in you know, or off the Falls Road in, 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 in a very predominantly Roman Catholic area. The family, as I understand it, the family approached the dean, uh, the very Reverend Stephen Ford, and asked... Now, I'm sure the issue of space arose as well, because there was a, a huge crowd inside and out. I don't think there is a church in Belfast that would have been able to hold them, which the cathedral could. But the cathedral of St. Anne is in a probably called the cathedral quarter, where writers gather, where people come just to talk. The cathedral is open to everyone. And the Church of Ireland were more than willing, you know, to to, to offer the church and uh, its service to uh, Lyra's family uh, for this funeral. And uh, in fact, um, it it reflects, if you like, a a huge cross-community involvement, St. Anne's. I mean, the the junior choir in St. Anne's is cross-community, you know. Her family were welcomed, her friends, everyone. The cathedral played played its role and its clergy, and it, it was uh, a service of, of great celebration, but it was also a service of great reverence and, and, and very uh, markedly Anglican. And just finally, I mean, Father McGill spoke of um, politicians finally coming together under these tra- tragic circumstances. Do you, do you think that will last? No right-minded person, and that's most of them, in Northern Ireland or in the Republic, wants to see a return 
to the mayhem and the slaughter that went on in Northern Ireland. Now, that's a, you know, that's a given. But I suppose um, some people thought uh, maybe that um, Father Martin was uh, <laughs> a little bit hard on the politicians there. But I feel that they are trying. They are trying. Uh, and I feel that this is a door opened uh, which will not be closed and that uh, if they will they will not be easily forgiven if uh, if they don't uh, get the assembly up and running again nonetheless it's uh, something that they uh, you know uh, must ponder on and you know th- that they must uh, re- realize too uh, you know that nature abhors a vacuum and a vacuum will always be filled by people like the creatures who, 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 who first of all orchestrated a riot, and remember, you don't you don't manufacture fifty petrol bombs in ten minutes, and uh, the faceless people who actually are behind youth who are unemployed, who are socially deprived, and who who see no hope other than uh, the encouragement that they'll be somebody if they get involved in something like that. That is the challenge uh, for the politicians, too. And it is, the cha- it is indeed, it's, it's the challenge, uh, I think, for all of us. One of the most startling things immediately after the, the murder of Lyra was, you know, these murals, uh, Republican murals and things like that, they're so fond of putting up on gables of houses. And there's one, one in particular, uh, you are now entering free dairy at the entrance of the Bogside and, and uh, underneath that not, hashtag not in my name has been sprayed. They also, uh, a lot of people, predominantly I think women, uh, who went, went to the uh, small office of this uh, so-called political front for, for this uh, organization, self-styling itself the real IRA, and painted red on the palms of the hands and applied them to the windows and the walls. In other words, you've got blood in your hands and we know it. Uh, this is unprecedented, you know? So it, it shows you the depth of feeling of the people up there in the Kraken. Most of the decent, hard-working people and it shows you just how, how deep the feeling goes. The 17th meeting of the Anglican Consultative Council takes place next week in Hong Kong. Our editor Paul Hanley is going to be flying out there shortly and will be providing regular updates on our website and in the newspaper. Paul, just first of all, can you just explain, just for those who don't follow these things quite so closely, what is the Anglican Consultative Council? Yeah, sure. There's, there are four bodies that, that help run the Anglican Communion. They're, they're called instruments for some odd reason. And one of them is a person, so it all gets complicated and rigid. So they are not in any sort of order. Uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, the Lambeth Conference, the Primates Meeting, and the ACC, the Anglican Consultative Council. And given that all the provinces in the Anglican Communion do what they like anyway, it's um, quite a difficult task to do any sort of organising at all, especially when you've got four different bodies trying to do it. There's a logic to it all. The Archbishop of Canterbury isn't a pope, so... He doesn't have executive power over anybody. I suppose his staff at Lambeth about that's about it. The uh, primates meeting um, is an odd thing. It's it's sort of come up on the rails. It didn't used to meet very often, but um, it's become more powerful in recent years. The Lambeth conference um, is when things um, are supposedly really discussed, but that it, it it meets only every ten years, um, or in this last 
case um, every 12 or something. And uh, it is just bishops. So the ACC, uh, which meets every three years, uh, is made up of um, clergy, laity and some bishops as well. So uh, in theory, it's the most democratic looking body. I think where it scores is that it's got um, very good good roots it's it's if you want to know what's actually happening in the communion then then it's the sort of body that that knows that it's it's more local more more um uh, aware of of things and so the problem is uh, well there are all sorts of problems about running any sort of organization but it is a consultative body um as the rest are as well in a way um so there's there are questions um increasingly now about what it's purposes what what it can achieve uh, when three or four years ago there was a row about oh sex fancy the primates said um, a couple of the provinces um, were out of order and should be um, reprimanded the ACC there was a fudge but certainly gave the impression that they weren't as keen on banning people as um, the primates were so um, there's a bit of tension but but it, it's not we're not expecting rows next week. There's a lot of good stuff going on in the communion, which I hope will come out next week. There's a lot of reporting and discussing um, what's happening in the provinces. Um, so I'm hoping we'll get some good uh, some good examples of, of best practice. They're focusing particularly on intentional discipleship, which is it's a mouthful and sort of kills itself off before people start understanding it. But essentially, it's saying why do we have a church full of Christians and why are we not making more of an impact uh, on the world around us? In your story this week, a 2016 paper quotes a former primate of Melanesia saying, we have no problem filling our churches with people, but they need to know what it means to be Christians. This is about spiritual growth, not just numerical growth. And whereas in the Church of England, we find a lot of emphasis on filling the pews, as it were. I guess in, in other areas, particularly Global South, they have no problem filling churches. It's They're looking at what happens once people are there, whether they deepen their faith. Yeah, I, I think that it's, a, it's a, an age-old truth about Christianity. The easier you make it, the more people you attract. Uh, but the more difficult and the more um, purposeful Christians are, um, the more impact they have, the more the closer they are to what Christ should, should want us to be doing it. Um, I can think of various premiership footballers who look good um, in the area that they're performing in, but they're not tracking back and helping the defence. So it's uh, the idea is that if Christ's kingdom is to be made real on, on this earth, as we know it, it ought to be, then what more should we be doing to, to make that happen? And there's been a questionnaire sent out to some members of the ACC just asking for their views on its role and its significance. A lot of questionnaires that we receive in the news um, department um, are very clear and, and straightforward, and, and I'm always slightly suspicious of those. Well, whenever we do questionnaires, we find there's a huge range of views, and, and this was especially true. You've got a, an international body of, of not very many individuals whose experience is completely different in different places, and so every question we asked, um, there were... Uh, a complete range of, of views expressed. Um, but the, the key one was uh, we asked, should the ACC have more of a say in running the communion, whatever that means? And um, essentially the, 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 the replies we got were very positive, that they, they agreed that they should have more say with the provisos 
that you'd expect about how representative they are and, and, and how they fit in with the other instruments, if anybody can remember the beginning of this conversation. And there have been concerns expressed, such as um, by Reverend Dr Jesse Zink in this paper uh, last month, um, about the, a shift of power some see towards the primates, with the primates meeting more frequently. So it, it seems there is concern among AC, ACC members that their, their voice needs to be heard. Yeah, I, mean, I think I'm always suspicious of people who, who dislike structures and bodies on the grounds that they don't agree with the decisions they come to. Um, on the other hand, the primates are almost by definition quite mature. Uh, uh, I think they're all male at the moment. Therefore, their representative nature in a in a church which is quite democratic and it's one of the one of the important parts of the Anglican uh, world does raise questions about how good their decision making is um, and therefore the fact that that a group of them can um, potentially meet together and lay down the law is is not seen to be the Anglican way. And I mean, you mentioned in the story this week that I think a third of the ACC are lay people and. I don't know, a reasonably high proportion are female, certainly more than the primates. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, who gets to be on the ACC is, is up to each of the provinces. And and it uh, it typically it's been um, a lay person, a clergy um, and a a bishop, because there's no point in, in people going off to an international meeting, making a decision, and then they're going back to their church and they haven't got somebody with a bit of oomph to... To make it happen, so that's why you've got a bishop, bishop on there. But of course, you're then top-loading the the representation with with senior clergy, and therefore the again the male female mix is is difficult because across the communion the, the clerical world is still very male. Uh, yeah, we we crunch the numbers a bit, come up with with a body which is doesn't look perfectly representative, but it it's better than many of the others. And you're flying out there to, to cover this. I mean, so you still, from the paper's point of view, you still see this as something um, that's important to cover firsthand. I mean, there may not be as much media interest as, for instance, the primates meeting at Lambeth a few years ago. Sure. Um, or, and, um, and, of course, we have the Lambeth conference in, in uh, next summer. But I mean, there are big questions about that we should go to, to cover it because it's a, a round-the-world flight. And we're very concerned about sustainability and, and the environmental impact and and I've seen this question raised by some of the members already whether there's technical or technological solution to, to these sorts of meetings but um, it seems to me that it's if it's important that an independent journalistic approach to these things is 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 valuable as we believe it is to the Church of England then it, then it, we ought to be applying the same standards to, to an international body as well so they have their press offices, but the plan is that we go and tell the story as we see it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.